0: Our reading today comes from Luke chapter 1, verse, uh, starting with verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Here ends the reading.
1: you shall come Emmanuel. Oh. Oh. And even Emmanuel. Well, good morning again to everyone on this second Sunday of Advent. Um we have been, in this series through Advent, doing uh, Rebuilding the Nativity. Many of us have uh, nativity scenes in our home, and if you're like me, uh, you, you put it out and oftentimes just forget about it because it looks nice. And so we are taking each little piece and looking at what it means, what it speaks to this season, and does anybody remember what we added first last week? Henry, what do we add? the angel, right? We talked about finding the angel and how even when I was a kid, for some reason, before I even thought theologically about it, because I didn't really have a way to think of it that way, I thought it was always appropriate to put the angel out first. And so we talked about proclamation uh, last Sunday and about what God was proclaiming. And this Sunday, we're going to add two new pieces. Who do we have here? Mary and Joseph, that's right, Mary and Joseph, you're right. And if you notice, they're always together, always together. And as we consider those pieces, I'd like to read uh, two other Scripture passages. Uh, The first is in Gospel of Luke, and let me see. And it's in chapter 1, starting at verse 46. Uh, Let's listen to the words of Mary. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him for generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. And He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. And as He spoke to His fathers, to Abraham, and to His offspring forever. These are the words that Rachel read earlier, but I wanted to read them again because these are pretty powerful words. But we talk a lot about Mary, don't we? But as I mentioned in the nativity scene, she's always accompanied by an important figure, Joseph. And so let's listen to a story of Joseph But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's face it, some people are gifted at gifting, and some people are not. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some people are really good at giving gifts, and others, not so much. I think we all probably know at least one person who's that good gift giver, right? It's that one person who always seems to know what to give. In fact, so often, they give you the one thing you didn't even know you needed until you see it, and then it just yet confirms again they know you better than you know yourself. Do you know a person like that? Anybody have any gift givers in the family? I mean, that's the one when you, when you see the gift from them and you see from in their name, you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good. Every single time, they never disappoint. And then there's that other person, right? Right? That other person who lacks the giving gift, and they give the gifts that no one wants. Ever had someone like that? What about that gift? Great Christmas movie. I mean, seriously, who wants a bunny suit on Christmas? It's the awful sweaters. It's the pack of underwear that you really didn't need. It's... It's the gift that never even makes it out of the box, and then you end up regifting later. I mean, I'm not the only one who's been guilty of that. Come on, right? You've regifted a gift before. I'm sure you have. I hear, like, there, there may be a few of those individuals in this room, I'm wondering. Well, we've all had those experiences at Christmas. We've had the, we the highs, we've had the lows of gift-giving, and you know what? As an adult, we've probably had a whole spectrum of disappointment on Christmas. We've learned that it just it kind of comes with the territory. You're going to be excited in some realms and disappointed in others. But you know what? It's harder when we're children, isn't it? Before you've been jaded by the world. Everything is exciting at Christmas, and then you have that moment of disappointment. See, I remember one of these moments. It was a Christmas many years ago, back in the 80s, and I remember I was particularly into Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, anybody? This was before Michael Bay came and did whatever he did with them. This was like the original 80s, you know, incredibly cheesy but awesome Ninja Turtles. And so I was into Ninja Turtles that year, and I remember one of the biggest things on my Christmas list. It was a very important thing, because you see, I had a lot of Ninja Turtles, but the one thing I was lacking was a proper villain. You've got to have a villain, and my sister's Barbies just weren't cutting it. Even though Ken, I believe, is evil, he's very evil, but it just wasn't cutting it. And so what I wanted was a slice and dice shredder. See, this This wasn't just your ordinary shredder, the villain in Ninja Turtles. This was slice-and-dice shredder. He had real slice-and-dice action, and I'm not talking about a kitchen tool. I'm talking about a figure that when you twisted him at the waist, he had real chopping action with his claws. I mean, it was, this was incredibly high-tech for the 80s kids. You just have to keep that in mind. But this was, this was what I wanted. This was the hot item. And so when it came to Christmas morning, I just knew that in one of those wrapped gifts was my slice and dice shredder. And so I ripped through every gift, and I remember going through and going, okay, this is great, and then setting it aside and going, okay, I'm going to find my slice and dice shredder. It's in here somewhere. And I came down to the last gift, and I knew this had to be the slice and dice shredder. Do you think it was? Nope, it wasn't. I remember the disappointment that I didn't get the one thing on my list that I really wanted. I failed to see all the other great gifts that I got, but I missed the one. And later that day, we were exchanging gifts with family, and so I I said, maybe, maybe, maybe Santa didn't bring it because he knew that my grandmother was going to give them to me. And so I got my grandmother's gift, and I opened it up, and... It wasn't a slice-and-dice shredder. In fact, I believe it was a screwdriver with exchangeable heads. The disappointment. I thought my grandmother knew me better than that. Obviously, I'm scarred for life since I'm sharing this with you. I never did get that slice-and-dice shredder. But to be honest, looking back on it, those Ninja Turtles are long gone. I sold them in a family yard sale years later. But you know what's still sitting on my workbench? That screwdriver. Perhaps the greatest gifts are not the most glamorous. Nor... Are they what they think we want? Perhaps the greatest gifts are those unexpected gifts, the gifts where their true value can only be appreciated in retrospect. Christmas is a lot like that it's that gift that nobody was expected, expecting to come, especially in this not so glamorous form. I Me, mean, Mary. We're guesstimating that she was probably around the age of 13. Can you imagine getting the news at 13 that you're pregnant with God? Now, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been so out of the customs that a woman at that age would be pregnant. You, you married young, and you had children young, and usually you had a husband that was much older than you, which Joseph was. But can you imagine being 13 and the weight of that responsibility falling upon you? Here you are, just a 13-year-old girl. And Joseph, who we know is an honorable man, is betrothed to be married to this woman. And then she finds out she's pregnant, which shouldn't have happened. And he was going to divorce her quietly until he receives the news from God saying, No, 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 no. This is a part of my plan. This is no ordinary child. And he does the miraculous thing and he stays with her. Christmas is an interesting time as we consider the weight of the meaning of this time. Let us go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to consider the weight of this season, the weight of this Advent. And as we look at these two figures of Mary and of Joseph, we pray, great God, that you would help us to see in them what you need us to grasp during this Advent season. So Lord, we pray that you would silence any voice in us but your own, that you would prepare our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear your word, and Lord, I pray that as my words stray from yours, may they fall away and quickly be forgotten, but may your word, your truth, and your promise remain upon our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, amen. I can't help but wonder how Mary and Joseph must have felt receiving this life-changing news. Have you ever contemplated that. There's been some great songs that have come out, you know, Mary, Did You Know? And there's even been some Joseph's Lullaby songs. But I've really wondered, what did it feel like to be in their shoes? They were young, they were just getting married, and then the whole world changes. But what we see in this is that, you know what, God prepared the way for them, didn't He? God prepared the way all along the way, and then God provided for them. And so, this Sunday, we're going to talk about God's provision. We have a God who provides. And the first point is this, God's provision may come in unexpected ways Have you ever been blessed in an unexpected way Anybody have a short short story of how you've been blessed in an unexpected way Henry sister Your sister being born That's a big deal. It's pretty big when you care for a sister in that way. You hear that, parents? You know, log that in the book. Anybody else? How have you been blessed in an unexpected way? I can share with you that our move here, in a lot of ways... I mean, we had great hopes. We wouldn't have been coming if we didn't have great hopes and didn't have a clear sense that God was calling us here to this church plant, to this place where we had never lived. But you know what? All along the way, God has provided for us. I mean, I think we've shared before. Even how we got our house was a blessing from God. We bought it before it ever hit the market because I happened to know the previous owner, and it was just a complete weird connection. How God has provided for the church all along the way, of bringing the people that we need at the time, we need them to do what God has called us to do at that time. Just every day is this unexpected blessing, and you know, we are loving being here. hasn't been without its challenges, but it's been an amazing time. Anybody else? Was it a move? Was it a job that perhaps you weren't too excited about, but ended up being a great blessing? Was it an unexpected child? I've heard quite a few stories of that and the blessings that can even come from an unexpected child. Was it a change in direction? God can work in some amazing, unexpected ways, can he? God's provision doesn't always come in the way we expect. Sometimes it's best that it doesn't. Because do we really believe that we know better than God? I've made a whole lot of mistakes in my life. And there's, you know, it's it's the old country song. It's incredibly cheesy. But the Garth Brooks, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I would amend that to say that there's no prayer goes unanswered. We just don't always receive the answers we desire. But in that song, he's all talking about his high school crush and how he just had prayed for her and prayed and then nothing ever materialized. And here he is years later going back to his reunion with his now wife, who is the love of his life, and he sees that girl and realizes it would have never worked out, and he got the better end of the deal in the long run. So it's incredibly cheesy, but it's this idea that, you know, our, our gifts aren't always answered in the ways that we expect, but God does always provide. God's provision can come in unexpected ways. God provides for every need, just not always in the way we expect. Mary and Joseph, their lives would never be the same because of that faithful birth of that child, this unexpected pregnancy. I mean, talk about the ultimate unexpected pregnancy. I mean, out of wedlock, but there's no other person involved except the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, okay, this is really scandalous. I mean, and then, it's not some ordinary child. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. I mean, come on. It doesn't get more weighty than that, this unexpected pregnancy. Yet God's provision is witnessed throughout the story. If we turn to Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 9, we read this. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you always know what you want? Or need? Do you always know what you want or need? No? Anybody else? You always know what you want or need? Sometimes you think you do. I can confirm this. But we don't always know what we want or need, do we? Or sometimes we know what we need, but we just don't want it. We don't always know what we want or need. And there's a difference between want and need, isn't there? There's a difference between sometimes the desires of what we long for. I mean, that slice and dice shredder, did I really need it? No. To Kid Patrick, yes, I needed that slice and dice shredder. But to adult, I didn't need it. I probably still wouldn't have it today, even if I had received him all those years ago. What I need is not always what I want, and what I want is not always what I need. But Scripture tells us what our greatest pursuit should be. If We go back to Matthew 6, chapter 33. Does anyone know this off the top of their head? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's interesting that this actually happens in a section of Scripture where Jesus is talking about anxiety. About anxiety over the future. And he's saying, you know, don't, don't don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And then talks about the, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and how God provides for everything. And if God loves you even more, why would he not provide for you? God loves and adores you, and therefore he provides for you. What does this passage, this but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What does it say about our most important pursuit and the reason we shouldn't be anxious about the future? Why shouldn't we be anxious about the future? Anybody? Because God has a good plan for us. Absolutely. Anybody else? Why? Why? Why shouldn't we be anxious? Because we're full of anxiety, aren't we? We talked about that. We're full of anxiety. We live in a time of great fear. We're worried about the future. What tomorrow will hold? Will we still have our job? Will we save enough for retirement? Will our children turn out the way we hope that they will turn out? But God is in control. And while I agree that we want what we want and what we need are two different things, I do believe deep down that even our wants expressed are unbeknownst true needs. John Piper puts it this way. What is the do- deepest root of your joy? What God gives to you or what God is to you? Is it what God gives to you? or who God is to you. So that leads us to our second point about God's provision. God provides more of Himself. That can be sometimes quite different than the things that we want or think we need. Yes, God provides for our needs, but ultimately God provides more of Himself. You see, the magic of Christmas is not in the presence, but in His presence. The true magic of, Of Christmas is not in the presence with a T, but in his presence with a C-E. Mary and Joseph, like many, longed for a Savior. They were longing for a Savior. There had been this long time, a period, where God had been silent. Hundreds of years that God had been silent and they were longing for the Savior. They were seeing their kingdom just taken over by the Roman Empire... And they didn't just receive a savior. They received so much more. He wasn't just a champion or a hero. They welcomed God himself into this world, into his family. I mean, that's why they say, Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just this hero sent down to make it all right. God came himself and took on human flesh, incarnate human to be with us. How often do we hear about a God who takes that kind of step to be present with us? That's the true power of Christmas. If God's ultimate goal is to draw us closer into His presence, then doesn't that ultimately shape how He provides for us? Doesn't it? See, presents can be so much greater than the stuff we receive. The gift that my in-laws gave to my boys this year was to go see Disney on Ice last night. So if we seem a little tired, we got back a little late and had to do bedtime, and so I'm sure Micah's quite cranky back there, hopefully not causing too much trouble. But we had a great time, and what I loved about this is this, this gift wasn't just Another thing to put in the toy box, because we have lots of toys, like a lot of kids do. But it was an experience to have as a family. And as we experienced it together, whatever your views of Disney can be, it was a entertaining time. But I know what I'm going to remember is my son sitting on my lap, excited and intrigued by everything going on. And then looking over at Kate's lap and seeing Liam and seeing his excitement and just... Wonder at everything going on. I mean, just it was a lot for a two-year-old's mind. But it was time together as a family when we've been so busy. Ships passing in the night so often. Presence is powerful. And that is ultimately how God provides for us, is more of Himself. It's not God's job to make you happy, it's His job to make you His. And that shapes everything how He provides. Let's look at the book of James at verse 17 of chapter 1. It said, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change there's yet another dimension of God's provision to be explored. Traveling back to that disappointment of Christmas when I didn't receive my slice and dice shredder, again, you see how I'm scarred because I'm using you as my therapy session to talk about something that happened 25 plus years ago, but we'll work through it. But as I consider that moment, I look back with a different perspective. When I look back at that time, the toy seems far less important. I didn't have the toy I wanted. But what did I have? What did I have? A home and a family that loved you. A home and a family that loved you. Yep. Can you venture to guess what other things I had? Had plenty of other gifts. I had friends, is that what you're saying? I had a few, yeah. No, I had friends. I did. I had a roof over my head. I had clothes on my back. Over the years, I've had opportunities that not everybody gets. I've had the opportunity for education that not everybody gets. I've had the opportunity to be here with you that not everybody gets. I had support. I had love. In a similar fashion... As we consider God's provision, perhaps we should also include what has already been given. See, God's ultimate provision has already been provided. What am I talking about? Not just the stuff that we have. What I'm talking about is the greatest gift given to us in Jesus. Why did Jesus have to be born, and why is it such good news that he came? Why? Because the good news of the gospel is this. In Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. That's the greatest news of all. The good news of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, your sins have been forgiven. Our mistakes are forgiven. Our shortcomings are absolved. Our sins are atoned. Jesus did what we cannot do ourselves. He offers us a way to a perfect God, even though we are not perfect people and far from it. This is greater than any gift we could ever receive. We ask God for many things, but the greatest thing we could ever receive from Him has already been given. What God has given us in the gospel is light years ahead of every other provision and care we could ever seek from Him. When we trust in Jesus, We have decisively secured for us every ultimately good thing from Him. It's just a matter of time. God's ultimate provision has already been given. And finally, for our last point, we look at Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse one says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation." Hebrews 11 gives us two different perspectives of God's provision. If you look at the entire chapter, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. You're like, "Oh, thank goodness." But it ultimately displays two different perspectives of God's provision and care for us. Some by faith came through this life victorious, while others lost their lives. Both are commended for their mighty faith. See, in Hebrews 11, you give this list of all the different uh, characters or people of old, and how God worked through them from, from Moses, and we hear... We hear about how God worked them and then at the end of that chapter it said, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. God does not always provide and care for us in the ways we might expect in our life. And the Bible does does not promise this. From Peter, James, and John, and Paul, all gave their lives for the gospel. They viewed the gospel as a treasure not to be lost at any cost. They suffered gladly because they had something in the gospel that had far more worth. Which leads to our final point. God's provision is made complete in eternity. It's a gift for now and it's the gift that is yet to come. It's that we have a hope Because Jesus has provided a hope that when we die, that's not the end. We don't just go back to the earth. And if because of Jesus, we don't have to suffer the cost of our sins, they can be atoned in Jesus and we can spend eternity with God, with ultimate love, with the Creator of all. This life is fleeting, this life is fragile. This life is but a vapor, but the next life, the age to come, is where God's provision and care for us will ultimately make sense and come together as a whole. We may not receive healing in this life, but we will receive perfect healing in eternity. We may not see answers to our greatest prayers in this life, but we will receive them fully in eternity. Some days God's provision and care may seem distant but it will be ever-present in eternity. We long for our world to stop raging and to be at true peace, but ultimate peace will only come in eternity. And that has all been provided by Jesus. See, the truth about God's provision is this. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's provision. God provides in unexpected ways. God seeks to provide more of himself. God has already provided the ultimate provision, and it's made complete in eternity. So, may we know holy peace as we trust in God's provision. May we continue to prepare our hearts for the greatest gift of this season, And may we come to Jesus and know the true power of God's love. Let us go to God in prayer. God, we do thank you for providing for us, even in those times when we are completely unaware of your provision. Help us to know you better. Help us to share your love. Help us to spread your peace to a world that needs to know it. We pray all of this, In Jesus' name, and all the saints said, Amen.